With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From a multitude of top secret, highly secure locations across the Northern Hemisphere again, this is the draft slash free agency edition of the Spurs Insider Podcast. I am your host, as always, Mike Finger. From one side of the Pacific Rim, we have the um, polarizing Jeff McDonald somewhere in the Rocky Mountains and back in South Texas. In their secure locations, we have Tom Ringo Star Orsborn and Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot. I'm not even sure where to begin this week. We had a draft in which the Spurs were ridiculed and then praised for going against the grain. Um, we have a free agency period in which the Spurs have the market cornered on on guys who uh, who might turn out to be big gambles, positive gambles, calculated gambles, might not. Where where would you like to start? Polarizing Jeff McDonald. Um, I'm going to take. I, I wish I had a polar pop. Aside, I feel like I need to to settle in for a long, a long podcast here. We have a lot of ground to cover, but you can't get a polar pop in in Salt Lake City. There's no Circle K's here. So, is the Salt Lake City polar pops? They're like uh, the, there's only a percentage of uh, of caffeine in those, right? I mean, that's how the beverages work there. Uh, where where the, where they cut down, uh, they, they they can't have too much of that in the in the system of the locals. Yeah, it's all it's all Sprite. You, you yes. go to the fountain drink, and it's the fountain at the at the, uh, and it's all Sprite. Yeah. Okay. Well, where do you want to start? Um. Well, I guess yesterday was. I guess we start with yesterday because that's when pre agency opened. That's the hot topic. For me, that was this morning. Yeah. I. Yeah. Sorry. But go ahead. Any, anywho, uh, we got Dougie Buckets coming to San Antonio. We can talk about that. That sounds like a, like a good place to start. Uh, and uh, and uh, Zach Collins, um, as soon as he stops being injured, could be a contributor to the sport. So we can, we can start with that. I thought, I thought you know, uh, <laughs> unless you thought the Spurs were going to go out there and sign like Kawhi Leonard yesterday or some kind of all-star, I thought it was a pretty pretty solid – uh, opening salvo to free agency for the Spurs, especially McDermott. I mean, he's a guy that obviously, obviously, obviously fills a glaring need that the Spurs had. Um, you know, the Spurs were the least prolific three-point shooting team in all the land last last year. They're the only they 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 averaged nine point nine three pointers per game last in the NBA. Um, McDermott can help them there. Obviously, that's his forte. That's what he does well. Um, that's what that's what he's done for his entire career. So I, I think I think McDermott was a good uh, a, a good way to to address that need. And then of course Zach Zach Collins is the one that's really the gamble. Um, you know, he has he's played eleven games in the last two years. 
He's had three ankle surgeries or three foot surgeries and a labrum surgery. He refractured his foot as recently as June. And there's really, uh, to my knowledge, not a specific timetable for when he might actually be on the court um, to, to start his new, his new job with the Spurs. Um, but once he, once he is, I mean, he's a guy that is a lottery talent. If you talk to people that, that, um, you know, the, you know, saw him in Portland, um, he's a guy they all really liked. He just couldn't stay healthy, big can shoot, will defend tough, a great passer for a big man. Um, so he's got a lot of skill there. If, if he can ever just put, put it together physically. So that's, that's the gamble with, with Zach Collins. And I think, you know, $22 million over three years looks like a lot, but number one, I don't think all that's going to end up being fully guaranteed. And number two in 2021, $7 million a year on average is not a lot of money in the NBA. So that's my quick breakdown on, on the two guys. This morning. If anyone else has anything to add, feel free. Uh, it, it, you know, I got, I got beat up a little bit on Twitter for labeling my, uh, you know, the lead in little uh, Twitter lead in to my story, my uh, saying that they filled needs. And that's the first thing that came to mind was that they, they filled needs. And like you said, they're not, they didn't fill needs with all stars, but, but McDermott can shoot. Uh, Collins uh, can stretch the floor, floor a little bit when, albeit when healthy, um, you look at the, you look at the draft, they gambled with Primo with the first pick, but Wieskamp can, uh, he can, he can shoot. And I think long-term he's going to be, he'll replace McDermott. Uh, so I like what they've done so far. I'm starting to think after all this time that uh, people, the, the fans on Twitter are just mad at everything all the time and are never going to be happy. I, I don't know. First of all, it's not real. Li- Twitter is not real life, and exactly. I wish that I wish exactly. that pod- exactly. the podcast at least could be a Twitter free zone. Because oh, I mean, <laughs> you know. you're right. You're right, Mike. I I agree. I, I debated whether to, to lead off with that, but I took the I took the easy route. That was, that but was I, my I point. Also, people are never going to be happy. I also um, would like to point out that when we're talking about Spurs fitting filling needs. Um, that's a different, um, I don't know, objective priority. Um, the, the method of, of filling needs when you're the Spurs is different when you're the Spurs in 2021 is different than when you're trying to fill needs for say the Brooklyn Nets or the Los Angeles Lakers or, or name your team that thinks it's in the championship race for 2022. Because if, if you're one of those teams and there's there are glare, glaring things that you need for the upcoming season and you're trying to make things fit right away, when you're the Spurs who are not going to be in the title race next year, I'm sorry if that's a spoiler for people out there who, who don't like spoilers, but the Spurs aren't going to be hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy next June, I don't think. Um when you're talking about needs for a team like Spurs, you're talking more long-term and sure they need more shooting right away. Mm -hmm. But a Zach Collins is he fits a need in that you just need, like Jeff said, talented young guys who might pay off down the road. That is a Spurs need right now is just fill up that roster with guys who might be something. And like, I'm not a huge fan of that signing. Um, 
I'm also not a huge critic of it. Um, basically what I mean by that is like, I, I think that the chances are, are better that it, that he doesn't turn into something than the chances are that he does turn into something. He, even when he was on the floor in Port, in Portland, his, his numbers weren't that great. He showed the flashes of that, you know, the lottery talent, like Jeff said, but when you're the Spurs, you just collect those guys and, and 7 million a year is, is not going to break the bank. And one thing we have not mentioned yet in talking about Spurs free agency is the fact that even after those two signings, they still have 30 million to, to spend. And that could be on DeMar DeRozan. It could be on a sign and trade involving DeMar DeRozan. They might not use it at, at all, but uh, I, I, I would just would like to clarify that, that when we're talking about the Spurs filling needs, it does not necessarily mean we're talking about needs to help them win games next October 30th. Like it's, it's a longer term deal than that. And uh, I, I think what they've done, including going back to draft fits the stuff that they should be pursuing. And when you, when you talk about collecting these guys, you're not thinking, I mean, it would be great if every single one of them would pay off, but I, I don't, I don't think you're really thinking that they all are going to pay off. You just want some of them to pay off. And to get them you mentioned uh, DeMar DeRozan, but we also haven't mentioned Patty Mills or Rudy Gay and what these two signings kind of signify that those guys probably aren't coming back. I think we kind of knew that already as well, but it probably should be mentioned because that when you're looking at, what these guys replace uh, Doug McDermott, of course, replaces a lot of what Rudy Gay gave you. Um, so those guys probably aren't coming back. Patty Mills still a free agent. I think he's uh, about to suit up and play for Australia right now too. So he just obliterated uh, um, Argentina by like 49 points. <laughs> he, 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 he will be facing the uh, team USA <laughs> in a couple of days. Yes. Yeah. Um, Talk to Patty the other night. Again, I've lost track of what day it was. But he, when he was talking to me in the in the tunnel there after they beat whoever it was they beat that night, it it was pretty clear that um, like he wasn't excited to talk to a San Antonio guy about the future. He was more interested in talking to a San Antonio guy about the past, and just kind of uh, went on about how. Uh, how great those those San Antonio championship teams or, or uh, NBA finals teams were in 13 and 14, how he gets kind of the same vibe with his current Australia team and uh, didn't really want to talk about how he was handling the free agency because I think he knew the Spurs knew we all knew he's probably not going to be back. Um, I guess there's still a chance, but it, to me, Patty fits. Um, he, he's a great addition for a team that's ready to win. And, 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 uh, kind of fill in as a veteran guy off the bench, provide some shooting, provide some spark. And, and, uh, I, I think most Spurs fans, both in the real world and on the, in, in, in the online world, I think there's probably some, uh, consensus there that people are, are happy. I, I for, put Rudy Gay in the same category too, as a guy that could probably help a team that's, that's on the yeah. cusp. And, and those yeah. are the kind of teams that you're hearing, yeah. um, are, 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 are interested in Rudy and Patty or the Lakers, the Celtics, um, things like that. Miami guys. And we'll, we'll obviously miss, miss those guys, uh, selfishly, all of us here on this podcast, because both of those guys were great interviews, great yeah. copy. Um, but it, 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 it was, they're it was, the, it was probably time. Yeah. They're both at the, at, the, at the, um, point of their career where they need to go play for something. 
you know, go play for a team that's that, that's in the running. Yeah. Uh, we should probably point out to our, our viewers slash listeners that uh, we're recording this uh, in the United States time. This is this is what is this? Is this uh, what day is it? what day is today? You tell me. Uh, this is uh, Tuesday morning, right? Wednesday morning. Yep. No, it's Tuesday morning. It's, Tuesday morning. I, I believe it's My Tuesday morning. My point I'm trying to get at is by yeah. the time this hits, uh, a lot of this free agency stuff that we're talking about might be obsolete. Um, so just to, you know, right. give everybody that heads up. I mean, but if you want to, we can talk about uh, as of this moment on whatever morning this is, where the Spurs stand with DeMar DeRozan. Because he, he didn't go anywhere on the first day of free agency. The Spurs still, the Spurs still have a big of money. A lot of the places... Uh, people thought DeMar might wind up don't have a big chunk of money anymore. Um, Chicago, Miami, the Lakers. Um, do we, what do we think about the possibility of his coming back or, or what is just kind of what is, what are we thinking is going to happen there? The, I, there is a, there is a point uh, um, that I want to make here. Um, and it has to do, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm sort of a, I'm kind of avoiding answering what you just asked, but um, at the trade deadline during last season, there was kind of a freak out about how um, the Spurs didn't do anything and how they could have, uh, they should have tried to get something for DeMar. They even should have tried to get something for Patty Mills and Rudy Gay and Trey Lyles and whatever. Um, I just want to make an observation about that. Um, let's say that at the trade deadline last year, like you could have traded Rudy Gay for Doug McDermott and you could have traded Trey Lyles or Trey Lyles for, for Zach Collins. And you could have traded, uh, DeMar DeRozan for, whoever they now can do a sign and trade with DeMar DeRozan for like most fans would have taken that. And, uh, my point here is that like, it sort of worked out <laughs> that, that just because they didn't deal these guys at the time, they ended up with the space and the, the flexibility to eventually, if not get something for those guys in a trade deadline deal, um, they preserve, the ability to fill those spots with players they wanted. And I, I think that's still a possibility with DeMar. Like you can either, you can either re-sign him. And, and as Jeff pointed out, there aren't, I don't think any other teams right now, there are teams that can maybe create some space, but as, as the space that's right now, there aren't any teams that can offer DeMar the 28, $30 million that the Spurs can. Or you can you can do the sign and trade with Chicago, whoever it is that is interested in them, and get players back that way. So I guess I guess the 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 gist of this is I don't think they were hurt at all by not making that trade back at the at the deadline. Good observation. You're you're an, you're an astute young man, as, as Pop might say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, you know, if, if he ends up just taking uh, $10 million to go someplace sure. surprising, and this could be happening right now as we're doing this podcast, and I could once again look like a complete idiot, 
then, you know, they let them go for nothing. But uh, even, even in that case, they have the 28 million or the 30 million, whatever they have right now to use as they see fit. And they can either use this in the, in the coming (laughs) days and and weeks or, or, or they can have it to use in the future. And I I don't think either would be a horrible thing for, for where this franchise is. Yeah. I mean, the, I, in a way, the beauty part about the Spurs right now is, and you kind of touched on this earlier, they don't have to be a title contender next year. So even if, I mean, I'm, even if this is it for the, for this off season, they've got a lot of flexibility going forward to continue to build the roster in, in future seasons. And I, and I think they can afford to be patient because what are they really playing for next year? Uh, I guess we can, we can talk about what the, if, if there are open spots right now and there are, uh, the different ways that those those open roster spots could be utilized. If if you look at just who's on the roster right now, what your your starting lineup would be, I guess you would go. Um, well, there there there's there's options there too. But if you're starting Murray and White together in the backcourt, and Keldon and Pirtle probably are two surefire starters. Keldon could be either your three or your four. And if he's your, if he's your four, then Lonnie is a starter. If he's your three, then I guess McDermott is a starter at the four, which could be kind of an interesting lineup there with him. He, he, he's, he's, he's not a classic power forward. He'd be the stretch four type. Um, but uh, the point there is, is I guess there's room for, for to bring DeMar DeRozan back to play his old role, or you could go out and get a big guy to fill that power forward spot and move Cal Kelton to, to small forward. And, um, I guess conceivably there could be a room for a backup point guard. Although I guess they're probably going to expect a little more from Trey Jones. Um, I'm sort of rambling. If anybody wants to interject, go ahead. But that's, that's thinking out loud, looking at this roster and, and what the next steps might be. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that'll, go together and maybe it's maybe it's a topic we can get into in a different podcast more in depth um i I'd, I'd be interested to see what happens to Keldon because i think there's some some motivation to get him off the yeah. floor i mean he's not he's not really a four man um but if you're playing him on the perimeter he's also got to be able to shoot and that's and he's kind of hit or, <laughs> hit or miss uh no pun intended from three-point range last year so kind of where he fits will be interesting to me once they get the whole group together. Um, we could talk about the draft since we haven't yet. A lot of people were big mad about that. Yeah. I heard for a little while, at least. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we've talked some of them down. I don't know. Or maybe we can talk some of them down because people seem to people in America seem to like to listen to reason nowadays. Uh-huh. Sure. The Spurs, the Spurs made Brian Wright made a good case for gambling on Josh Primo and then, you know, the highlights that we've seen, the film that we've seen, the people that you talk to, Jeff, all seem to back it up. And, and you know, the information that other clubs were, were right behind the Spurs ready to snatch him up. I mean, I think they've made a good case for why they took him. And it kind of stands up uh, at this point. I used the term gamble when we started. So I'm as guilty of this as anybody. And Tom just used it. But mm-hmm. that word in this context is kind of interesting because because of why people think it's a gamble 
And why, why, why Primo is more of a gamble than anybody else they could have taken there. It's because people fall in love with reading these internet mock drafts for months. Yeah. And it's not like they bypassed a a, a surefire hall of fame. And and so, because I, I think that these mock drafts, a lot of people put a lot of, of, of legitimate research and uh, interviews and hard work into these things. There's great mock drafts out there. But they sort of tend to um, kind of merge and and become homogenous because no one wants to be the outlier and almost to look stupid. And if you're doing your mock draft and you think Josh Primo could be the 12th best player in the draft and you look at all the other drafts and he's in the 20s, well, then you're hesitant to put him at 12. Mm-hmm. And as Brian Wright said, and, and I realize this is something mm-hmm. he's he's defending his pick. He's speaking for his organization. He's going to say things um, uh, from that perspective. But like the, the mock drafts and what the teams actually know about the players and what they know about other teams, what did he say? It's, it's like they don't, sometimes there are different worlds. And when it turns out like sports illustrated has no skin in the game of trying not to hurt the Spurs feelings or make the Spurs look good. And when they did their uh, review of, of the draft, they talked about how they had heard that lots of teams right behind the Spurs were actually interested in Josh Primo and that people were surprised the Spurs took him that high, but other teams were hoping they could get him in like 14, 15. And, and uh, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not, but just because, the Spurs take a guy at 12 that some people expected to go at 20 something doesn't necessarily mean that's any more of a gamble than the guy that everybody expected to go at 12. Uh, every, at that, at that point, everything's a gamble. And, um, if, if you like the guy you're taking, um, I think it's more important to, to like the guy you're taking than to worry about whether or not you got the right value at that pick. And, uh, as, as, as Tom said, you know, the, Jeff's story and, and everything we've heard about Primo, he could be uh, one of those one of those guys who pays off. They're collecting people with talent and, and hoping or, to hit on a few. And, and, uh, or you might not and, and go ahead. Play devil's, yeah, I said to play devil's advocate a little bit, just uh, what people are, you know, were saying or were complaining about is they did think they should trade back if you're going to get that guy. There were people that say that was just, you know, when they're looking at them evaluating that, you know, you said Sports Illustrated was kind of verified their claim, but then, you know, you look at Kellen Pelton, who had him at, who actually had Josh Primo at 14, actually said, you know, was also critical of the pick. Um, just saying that he's the only guy he knew who had him that high. Um, and he gave the Spurs like a C minus for the pick. Um, so, you know, that, I think that's where the fan criticism, criticism comes in. That's where you can criticize the Spurs for maybe not doing that. They were fearful of that, but maybe they could have, but if you really want that guy, then you have to take him 12. But, you know, I think to some people just the criticism comes didn't know enough about Josh Primo to criticize the pick. That's the problem that they, at 24, no one was really looking at him. So everyone kind of thought, well, who's this guy? Because no one was really thinking the Spurs were going to take that. They were all in on Alprins and Gun, And then when you don't get them, it's like, what the heck? Um, who's this guy? Because no one had really done any research on a guy that was picked number, that was expected to go number 24. 
you know, once you start doing research on the guy, you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't that big, a, bad of a pick after all. You're, you're repeating, um, you're, you're, you're repeating what I was talking about. I mean, it's a different world because Kevin Pelton or, 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 or name your analyst thought that no one else was that high does not mean that no one else was that high. And it's one thing to not like the pick. It's fine. Like, great. You don't like the pick. I'm not going to hold that against you. You thought they should have taken someone else. I'm not going to take that against you. But to say you have to criticize them because they should have traded down or they could have traded down, that is assuming facts, not an evidence. Objection, Your Honor. Like, we have no way of knowing whether A... But that's that's the way the draft works. You either take that gamble or you don't. That's what I'm saying. And you're fine to criticize the pick. You know what? The Spurs should have taken Tyrese Halliburton and last year over Devin Vassell. I mean, that's the evidence. Now, next year, we'll see it play out. Josh Primo could be something. All Prince and Guns could be better. I mean, the evidence is going to come next year. Right now, we don't know any the, whether it's a bad I pick. would argue that the evidence will come in three Five years. years. <laughs> well, with Josh Primo, it could come <laughs> and, and, uh, and the jury is still out. The jury is still out on Devin Vassell and, uh, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton's way ahead right now. But I mean, yeah, Halliburton's way ahead these, right now. These, I think these picks are I, not I about the next year. I don't and, think. And I don't think you can. I don't think you can justifiably argue that Tyrese Halliburton is not a better pick. I mean, it just was the better pick. He fell to you, and you should have. You probably should have taken. I don't think point. it's. I don't think that's decided. And this frustrates people who went first of all draft draft grades the night of, and second of all draft grades the the year after. Like that's not how it works. If you would have evaluated, um, name your name your Spurs pick, um, uh, Dejounte Murray, Derek White didn't look great after one year. It takes um, time. Those were all at twenty nine, and that's a big difference between picking twenty nine and twelve. I would argue that it's not. <laughs> you're, 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 still, you're still drafting for the future. You're still drafting for more than one year. And if I if I had yeah, to bet right now, who'd be who was the better pick, Tyrese Halliburton or Devin Vassell? It's Tyrese Hall Halliburton, obviously. By a lot. But 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 I'm not. I'm not betting any amount of money that it's going to stay that way. Absolutely not. These, these are, these are long-term picks. Yeah, and, they, they uh, and this, this is not me making excuses. It's just me not wanting to jump to conclusions and looking stupid three years from now, because I ripped a pick that hadn't played out yet. Well, Devin Vassell uh, looks yeah. like he's going to be a, a fine player. I just think Tyrese Halliburton was Looks like right now he should have went number four overall. So there's a lot, lot of people that pass on Tyrese Halliburton that sure. should be criticized um, because he looks one of the best picks of the draft and he fell for a reasons that we don't really know. Um, that's a whole topic, different topic altogether. The system comes into play. The, the team they go to, the system, the players around them, the, the, the coach, you know, put Devin – on Sacramento, maybe he does differently. I, I don't know, but I agree with Mike. It just takes a while. Um, you know, it just just takes a while before you can determine you, picks you, in any you, sport. You can pick any draft and go through it five years later and find out why, where everyone messed up. You know, why did why did Kawhi Leonard drop so long so far? Um, you know, did Golden State screw up in that draft by taking Clay Thompson instead of Kawhi Leonard? But there's even better are better examples of that. Like every draft you can go through and say, well, this guy that went 16th should have been third, you know, Giannis, you know, should have been first in that draft. So it's, it's, you know, when you, when you draft a lot of, when you, when you have a lot of drafts, you're going to have some misses. You just are. But. 
or some some wish I would have done this better. Wish I would have done this. But you know, the, the the key is to have some payoff. Um, I I think that's the kind of the one of the points I'm making here is the Spurs really haven't been in that position where people are criticizing picks or looking at oh this guy versus that guy because when you pick 29th every year there's not as much people complaining on the internet or twitters or on on these mock draft reviews or the draft reviews these you know Kevin Pelton going back and forth when you pick DeJounte Murray at 29 or Kelvin Johnson at 29 you're not going to get those kind of takes because at the end of the first round they're almost all gambles or you're all adding to a championship team now you're trying to add to a you know a lottery team and it's well where's what's this team going forward and that's what you're looking at with Josh Primo is what's this guy going forward and I think that's where you start looking at him and like oh this pick may work out because it's either he's neither not going to work out or he's going to be really good you know he has a lot of potential you know we haven't really talked about Josh Primo's potential but you know he's 17 years old pretty much and playing in the SEC that's pretty impressive stat when he's he's starting almost every game in the SEC at 17. There's this thing there's this thing about um and, and again it goes into the to the to the mock drafts because he was projected lower um there's this perception that oh they took this guy who's 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 such a project and he's so much farther away and in the same breath, they're saying, oh, they, they should have taken Kai Jones or Jalen Johnson or name uh, um, um, Keon Johnson. All these guys are, are, are projects like the days of of finding established, ready made NBA players at that part of the draft, even 11, 12, 13. That doesn't happen very often. Um, if they would have if they would have taken any of the guys that that were projected more at that, that pick, you're still talking about projects. And, and I'm repeating myself, but this, this was not a pick for the 2021, 2022 season. It was, it was a pick for two years, three years, and, and maybe the second contract. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I find draft discussions and I, I'm sure this is coming across just kind of infuriating <laughs> because people want these immediate grades these immediate grades and they want these hot takes about who made a mistake and who didn't. And is uh, just, I'm just kind of shrug emoji. Like we'll see the, 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 the proof will, will come in time. And, and uh, you know, Brian Wright, RC Buford and Greg Popovich, who by the way, told me today, I asked him if he's been uh, keeping track of all this stuff. He said, he's spending <laughs> a lot of time on the phone. He's still involved. He's still involved in all this stuff. Now don't let anybody tell you that he was a, uh, he didn't know about the Josh Primo pick or the Doug McDermott uh, signing. Uh, he's still he's still very much involved. But but all those guys are going to be judged eventually, and it's frustrating that we can't judge them now. But I'm I'm just going to refrain from doing that. And that doesn't that doesn't make for a great podcast. The last point I, I'd I make apologize. I'd make here is that how many mock drafts do you think are available in the internet universe? Hundreds. Would you put it at hundreds? At least. There's probably a hundred. There's hundreds yeah. of people doing mock drafts, some of them better than hundreds. You take the the most diligent mock draft crafter who has done all the homework, called all the people, watched all the film, whoever that guy is, think of that guy. The Spurs have seen seen and studied and poured over Josh Primo way more than that guy or any other mock draft. So they, they know more about Josh Primo than anybody. And so it's okay to be surprised. Oh, I didn't. 
I wasn't thinking of, a, of Josh. Pr- I mean, I wasn't thinking Josh Primo's name when the Spurs were on the clock the other night. Um, so it's okay to be surprised, but then you can go to Brian Wright or, or, and say, you know, explain this to us. And they have a good answer. You know, they have a, they have, they have a good reason for doing what they're doing. Fans don't have to agree with it. Fans don't have to like it, but it's not like they're idiots just pulling names out of a hat. Like they put a lot of thought and study way more than anyone else in the entire world. I would be willing to willing to bet. Um, so they have reasons <laughs> for doing what they're doing, what, what they've done. And, and, I'm not. I'm not even saying you have to trust them. I'm just saying some people act like, like they're they're idiots. That did you ever think of trading back? Well, of course they thought of trading back. They didn't think they if they traded back, they didn't think they were going to be able to get them. Um, there was some. There's some reporting that Charlotte was looking at Josh Primo at 11. What if the Spurs had to trade up to get Josh Primo? What would we be talking about then? Anywho, it might work out. It might not. But you know, there are reasons for things. It's kind of my point. One one thing I'd like to know is how do you think Josh Primo fits in with this roster? Obviously, it's a it's a guard heavy roster, and you're drafting a guard. What does that mean for the Spurs and the future? And well, it means the Austin Spurs are gonna get a talent to start next don't season. Start, don't start with that. He's got to be a G, he's got to start the G League clearly, right? Well, he's twelve years old. He, he'll. He'll get some G League time, but and I, and I realize that I've been the contrarian for most of this podcast. But I also uh, would like to point out that the guard heaviness of this roster, if you break it down, and Patty Mills is gone, and De, and let's say Demar Derozan uh, departs in some form or fashion, and the Spurs end up with a uh, front court player instead, well, then you have. Um, Derek and DeJounte and Lonnie and Devin, Devin Vassell's kind of a, a, a swing guy. Um, and Trey Jones, I guess, as a, as a point guard, but there's room for more. And was, was Brian talking about this on the, um, on the zoom the other day, somebody with the Spurs was talking about just how positionless um, the game is becoming. And yeah. And uh, I don't think that the way the game is played now that you need to worry about having too many guys that can play on the perimeter. And um, Josh Primo's what, six, six, like he's taller than Kelton Johnson. <laughs> um, so also well, like there's, I'm interrupting, but I also don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Primo ends up being like six, eight right. before this is all said and done. Right. He's, 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 he's really young. And if you've looked at his hands, he could grow into those hands. Right. They're the biggest hands I've seen since Kawhi. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was rambling somewhere. Well, well, what I was saying to answer Nick's question, the fit on this roster again, uh, that'd be nice if like everyone fit into a perfect role for this upcoming season. I mean, that, that'd be the optimal thing. But I think, again, it's, it's more about collecting these pieces that you really like. And Josh Primo kind of fits into the Devin Vassell, uh, Keldon Johnson, um, even Lonnie Walker mode of he can do a lot of different things. And we, we're not sure where his final position would be. But figure that out, see where he fits. And then in a year or two, you see who you still like and who still fits. And then you can go say, we need this specific power forward or we need this specific shooting guard to compete for um, the Western Conference or the, or the NBA title. That's when you figure it out. 
But right now, I think the Spurs would have been making a mistake if they said, we really like this 6'6 kid from Alabama. We're not sure where he's going to play, but we can't draft him because we need a power forward. Like that's not where they are as an organization right now. You, you take the guy you like the most and you hope you end up with the star because this league is about stars and you're just looking to find the next one. Well, that was, that was a pretty optimistic way to end. Yeah, that, well, I could have ended it there, but I, I, Tom hasn't said much recently and I, I, would, I didn't want to lead this podcast without more opportunities for Ringo to weigh in. What, what, what did we miss, Tom? Let's talk about Joe Wieskamp. Oh, yeah. 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 Not a bad pick. Some considered him one of the steals in the second yeah. round. Might be the best second rounder they've picked in a while. Uh, we'll see about Trey Jones. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he uh, – the impressive thing about him was after that – after his sophomore season, he, he started out really well from three-point range as a, a freshman and then – Defenses adjusted and really beat him up, got physical with him his sophomore year, but he put in the necessary work um, during the pandemic to get stronger and to even increase his range more and came back and had that great, uh, great junior season. So, yeah, I, li- I like that pick. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, uh, he's already by far, not even close, my favorite uh Iowa grad in San Antonio. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Oh, man. The least sure. annoying one, for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I just wonder what uh, I wonder what Joe's uh, 40 time is, and if there's any way we could go out and, and, and time him. I think he'd be up to yes. it. He, he seemed, I think he'll do it. Maybe we could organize now, a race between all the Iowa grads that, that we know personally. Now we're getting way into the uh, inside joke weeds here that are that is totally boring our viewers slash listeners. There is a, there's a friend of the podcast who's from Iowa and it's just the worst. And, <laughs> I, I, and I, will, I will leave it at that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I like that pick. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do. And yeah, he could be the, you know, looking like you said, Mike, or like the theme of this part of the theme of today is just looking down the road and uh, yeah, in yeah, three years he could be, what McCormick is? We're um, we're pushing up against the uh, the late late hours here in uh, in Saitama, and I know we got to shut it down. But uh, um, the and 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 this might be obsolete, irrelevant by the time this uh, airs. And I'm not even sure if podcast airs, but by the time it does come out, this might be old. But before we go, uh, final answer from each of the panelists is Demar Derozan a San Antonio Spur next season, Nick Talbot. No, I don't think so. I think they're going to use him as a sign-in trade, but there's a few pieces that probably still have to play out, whether it's John Collins or Laurie from the Bulls. Uh, I'm not sure really what's going on with either of those situations. Those are the kind of the marquee restricted guys that are still left out there. Um, both would fit very well with San Antonio, very, very well, obviously, at that four slot. I think those could be possibilities. Um, DeMar kind of went on and said he'd want to play for a championship contender. That's not San Antonio. So we'll see because San Antonio is the only one that has enough money to pay him right Um, now. So, yeah, probably a sign and trade, but boy, I, you know, without him, 
I, I just don't, you know, the playing possibility uh, even shrinks. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've, I'd like to see him back, of course. Jeff McDonald is, is tomorrow's spur next season. I'm going to give a soft no. I, I don't think I, it, but it wouldn't surprise me either way. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, I will give the softest no possible. Yeah. Like 50.1%. He, um, he's on. And, and that might be sort of wishful thinking uh, by a columnist who likes good copy. But I, I still think there's a ch- like there's no obvious place for him to go right now. And uh, yeah. and like as much as Laurie Markanen has been talked about as this guy that the Spurs could target, like he's no he's another project. He's another lottery pick or or, or not lottery pick, but lotto ticket like there, he hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. And it may just come to a point, Nick's right, he wants to play for a contender, but if the contender is going to pay him the mid-level exception, like he can get used to playing San Antonio real quick for 20, for 20 million more dollars per year. That buys a lot of breakfast tacos. If, if he does come back, if he does come back, he could be the oldest player on the roster at 32. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I still think there's, it could go either way. Yeah. And, uh, and, and much like when we wake up every day, whether it is on one side of the Pacific Rim or the other, every day could go either way. And, it, and, yeah. and, and it's just up to you what you make it. Um, it, it. It can be the worst thing ever. All your gambles could fall apart. But that one that, that pays off could change everything. And you just got to have faith that the one you're taking today is the one that's going to pay off. And the people who called you stupid for going against the mock draft of life are going to be just have to have to answer for it in the end because their mock draft of life isn't the real world. And you are in that real world. And until the next time you need to take care of each other and keep it real. Peace. I'm glad I'm at the I'm glad I'm at the Salt Lake Summer League and not Vegas because your little spiel there would have had me like betting my house mortgage on black. Could go either way. You gotta take the gamble. <laughs>